0: I don't want to do main character syndrome here, mm-hmm. and and I know that I'm I'm a firstborn in my family. Okay, so I'm the type of person that at the restaurant stacks the plates and looks at the server like, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> you know, I'm a believe I'm a big believer in common decency. Mm-hmm. Truly the only thing that I have is a major, like I'm ju- I like to be judgmental in a fun way, but in the only serious way where I'll really write someone off is if I think that they're not courteous to mm-hmm. others. Like if you, if you're going into a door, if you're opening a door and you don't even do a quick shoulder check to make sure someone's behind you. Sure. You got a problem. Absolutely. Like you got a problem. You, you open the door, you do a quick shoulder check, just like you're changing lanes to make sure no one's behind you and that you don't have to hold it open for a split extra second.
1: Sometimes you get caught having to hold it for a that's, good chunk, but guess that's, what? The, that's, that's the burden. That's what you do.
0: No, that's not, that shouldn't even be the burden. That should just be, hey, I feel good about myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel good. That person says, thank you. We no, no, don't on. hurry. I'll hold the door for no you. No problem. Take your time. Nothing like seeing a, a little old lady do her little shuffle <laughs> as you're holding the door. You're just goals. hearing the ch- and you go and you do that smile and she says thank you and you're like I'm a good person <laughs> I'm a good guy ignore all the other activities of the last 48 hours we're not talking about those Hold that door for an extra split second for that little old lady good good guy the thing that is now becoming I would say actually an obsession for me to the point of a problem I know Simon you take the train in
2: mm-hmm.
0: I don't think I don't think either Nick or Armin, you take your TTC guy
2: for sure. Yeah, I, think, I was just gonna say the one exception to holding the door is the rush hour at the TTC. I'm not holding it. It's too much. Too much going no, on.
0: No, that that that's kind of it's again. It depends. It's like if if you're it depends where you are for sure. There's definitely a I would say a bit of a situation there where you're flying. That door is heavy. <laughs> you know, it's, there's enough people. There's moving enough people that. moving there. Yeah, like yeah, I get it. I get it. They, listen, there's a little bit of exception here. Okay, yeah. So the thing that has now become just a I can't get over it is people who don't take their bags off. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I feel like I'm the only person. I I scan trying to find one person like me. One person that takes their bag off. First of all, I think if you're if you're healthy and under the age of 45, you should be standing during rush hour. Mm. You, you, the seats are for other people. Like they're, they're not for you. And first of all, like nothing makes my blood boil more than Young dudes in the blue seats. Oh, like yeah. young sure, dudes sure, sure. in the blue seat is just me sitting there hating them the entire ride. Yeah. Like all I'm doing Silently. is having fantasies <laughs> <laughs> that I cannot bring to But now I've just become obsessed. I don't I don't understand it. Like Armin, you take your bag off, right? No, no you I don't. I, saying, I know knew no, it my whole, it, life I it. whole
2: life I okay. did. Okay. Whole oh, my whole life. And then what? And now yeah. I'm too stubborn too, because no one else does no, it. So you uh, and like, it. you know no, what? I'm not gonna be the drag You gotta be a leader.
0: It's just it's it's incredible to me. Like, I don't understand it at all. I'm on pack trains all the time, and every single day that it happens, it's just it, the... I, th- I don't know if it's a phones thing. Like, you don't have to engage in the reality around you or headphones, but I'm doing those two things. I'm looking at my phone. I'm on headphones. Anyway, I don't, I don't get it, but I will say that it's, I, I'm now getting to the point where I might be the next victim of an attack on a train because I'm just starting to now bowl into people with the bags. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm in yeah, a sure. mosh pit. Like, I, I don't excuse... If you are doing that... Like, I had a guy get on today that stood next to me that had genuinely, like, a mountain equipment, you know, <laughs> going for a four-day backpack, backpack, next to me. It was banging and hitting me, and I'm like, this is crazy that I need I'm at the point now where I think that what we need to have in the city is, okay, you're going to come through and inspect fares? Come, you got it. We got a pandemic. We got pande- an epidemic of this problem yeah, in our inspectors. city. Inspectors? Yeah, we got – no, we just have to have somebody that comes on and is like, yo, it's a packed train car during busy rush hour time. You got a backpack on, and you're not holding it in front of you? Fine, even if it's small, thirty bucks. Thirty bucks. Give me a thirty dollars fine, anyways. Mm. That's I, I use it, like. Just... I
1: flip it and put it on front ways. That's yeah. that's fine, right? And then like, yeah, front, and then if yeah. As long as it's yeah, on yeah, the front, yeah, it's yeah, okay. got to be on the front. Let's if just, it's God.
0: on your back, if if you have a backpack on on a busy train or a busy bus or whatever, it's just like you're you're a criminal to me. <laughs> Like you're you're the worst of the worst. You're you're a bad person. Like I'm. I feel very Look, comfortable saying that. You're a bad person, anyways. You
1: know what that, you can do, right? You can just, like, unzip some of the zippers on their
0: back. No, well, it's... <laughs> Saboteur. That's, that's it. You get caught oh. doing that, you're going to go to jail. Yeah, that's actually right. true. Can you yeah, go, yeah. go to jail, though? Yeah, I, I think you're going <laughs> to jail for that. Uh, okay, uh, Leafs lost last night, if, in case you didn't notice. And speaking of things that made me upset, Pierre Engvall scored the K-winning goal hey. after he got a video tribute. Jackie Redmond came on here, like, two months ago, and she made the case that we should have a higher bar for video tributes. And I went, Ah, oh, what's the harm? What's the harm? You saw it. That's the yeah, harm. That's the harm. <laughs> well, I do think that there, there does have to be some bar. Like, can you have 50 goals with an organization? Can you have a point threshold? Can you have a game threshold? Can you have to have accomplished something. Yeah, can, exactly. Can you not have something? If you go and they put your video tribute up, like they did for Engvall last night, and it is deathly quiet. Like, it is, even for a quiet arena, a morgue, then that says that you screwed up as a team in honoring the player. And and people will say again, what's the harm? It's just like, make playing for Toronto somewhat special. Mm. Make it so that Pierre Engvall is not someone who's honored <laughs> at a Leafs game. And God, and then there's just, he scores the goal, and it's the media tour for him, essentially. If I got to see 45 clips, and all the beat reporters get their quote from... Pierre and he's sticking it to Toronto. And I'm like, great as if they need another person lights like, like this. in the were anyway, the one thing about Pierre ball that was sweet is you never had to doubt whether or not it was a bad move. He mm-hmm. never did. It was the perfect trade got off the team. And anybody with a brain knew that this was good for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Hey, get rid of the guy that is basically the epitome of why they stunk in the playoffs, heartless player who never showed up, who never scored when it mattered, like easy 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 thing and then he has a big goalie yesterday it's just annoying anyways um but speaking of him one thing i'll say is right now on the leafs they could use him because their depth is just poor it is piss poor like you're looking at this lineup last night max domi dash 2 i know everybody gets up in arms about domi and i'm i'm in the, i'm still a domi defender i'm on the i'm on the last line of defense For Max Domi saying, move him up the lineup. Let's see what he looks like as a winger. Because the center experiment is just, it ain't working. It ain't working. He had 10 minutes. He's a dash two. He had no shots. He had giveaways. That's it. That's his only, you go look at his box score. That's all he's got on the stat stat sheet. Got Ryan Reeves going out there, taking a dumb penalty. And then having essentially no impact on the game. I think we're over the Bobby McMahon is going to be a something, some take. Like, he's fine. For six, seven minutes a game? You want to see him in the playoffs? Like, they lost two real NHL forwards. One surprisingly yesterday where the camp news comes across. It's just something cryptic like we caught something in the MRI. He's going to be out a week. I'm going, okay, whatever. We know Yarncroft's going to be about a month. The last time I talked to James Myrtle, it was, hey, the thing that you're going to need to see from this team is the second line start to produce actually contribute, actually score goals. No more, hey, you're due, your chances. You got, you got to start to put them in the back of the net. And last night it was just, it was. The, I said it on Leafs talk, it was the heat map game. You can look at the heat map and say, wow, they, they were amazing. And then you look at the box score and you go, why didn't they score more? They got to start finishing these opportunities. William Nylander needs to look like the guy that we saw in the first half of the season and not the guy that we've seen since he signed the contract. He's got to dominate. Otherwise, this, this team is just not built to have major successes. They're just not the blue line's not going to change materially, but they've got to figure out how Bertuzzi and Domi are going to start to add to the score sheet or else they're just, they're in real trouble. And that's why, you know, we keep doing, we're going to do buy or sell basically for the next month. But it, I, I don't know how you could possibly make the case that you could spend major assets on a team that has this many holes right now. Like it's just, it's, it's painful to watch it anyway. Um, time for with no croc, with no camp, it is just, it is time for the top six to dominate every single night if they want this team to buy, if they want to prove to this team that they've made a good bet in building the team this way. As we've said for, you know, the, I could run the show day in, day out for the last number of years. But a name or two outside of that top six has to step up. A name or two outside of that top six, and I'm kind of throwing Bertuzzi in that mix. Name or two outside of the, the core four players needs to step up over the stretch and show that they're more than what we've seen so far this season. Anyways, James Arnold, managing editor at The Athletic. What's up, brother? Not much, not much. The Ingvall uh, Revenge show, I like it. Annoying, super annoying, super, <laughs> super annoying. Uh, don't do that. It, it, just, could, it, it just, sometimes I wonder, you know what simulation theory is, right? Have you heard that? Yes. Yeah, sometimes I wonder if we're here when it's like the Leafs, the Leafs are just it's it's too obvious, like they're the they're the glitch in the matrix they're in the matrix where you see what was it deja vu and you go, oh, that's the glitch that that's the the Leafs the former Leaf showing up in Toronto and scoring a goal and doing it in a way that actually hurts the team it's just it's 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 almost getting too obvious at this point, yeah, I was at that
3: place when they kept the same thing kept happening in the playoffs over and over again i think I think after they lost to Montreal, I was like what's going what is going on here' Am I in the Truman show, and they're just mm-hmm. they made me a sports writer to cover a team doing this thirty times in a row and then you die <laughs> mm-hmm. but yes, I know what you're saying
0: um so what did you by the way, do you know anything about this camp m r i like beyond what they said i uh, I gotta be honest, I didn't dig too deep yeah. on that. I mean it's
3: you know what's telling is that they lose yarnrock and they lose camp, yeah, and it's like what are we what are we gonna do yeah, <laughs> what's gonna I had when I was watching the game last night. They're having a hard time scoring, and uh, a coach with another team texted me who was watching the game, and he said, "What what would the Leafs do if one of the big guys goes down for a while? You know, like what 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 would happen?" Mm -hmm. And it's a good question.
0: Yeah, you know,
3: and like they like this team's been pretty healthy this year. I think man games lost. They're maybe middle of the pack. But the vast majority of that is, is Klingberg being out for forty games. Mm-hmm. So they they haven't had any significant injuries to anyone up the lineup. Mm-hmm. You know, Matthews has missed one game, and I think all the other guys haven't missed any. Mm. I mean, and
0: still they're struggling. I was going to say you could kind of make the case that they've had a lot of guys on the second line take nights off or miss yeah. games <laughs> or just like their their box scores when they get like what are we at with Bertuzzi now fourteen games. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, he's, th- he's in one. I, I actually feel weird about him, though, because he's doing stuff, right? Like, he's actually, where are you at just with the second line in general right now? Because maybe that's just the way to start this. Is I, like last night, I thought that they were really overwhelmingly positive, but it is the get it done league, right? And so I. I guess I have a little less patience for it when a player has gone 14 games without a goal or whatever Tavares had gone before he has the two straight. And Nylander, you and I had talked at nauseam about how the the scoring rate was not sustainable, even though they paid him as though it was. And the competition has gone up to a degree that, yeah, it's pretty obvious that Nylander was going to take a, a bit of a step back and look a little bit more like the guy that we'd seen here over the course of his entire career, more than just the, the one season takeoff. But... Are you are you looking at their play right now saying hey they can't really be the focus of ire because they're the clear it's due line on a team where the the other six forwards that are behind those guys they, they don't really they're not really showing much of anything or like like where's your level of criticism about the way that they're playing right now.
3: Well, the conversation around opportunity's been interesting because I would say for the last at least the last like 20 odd games, you know, you get it, it's that old eye test versus analytics people thing. Yeah. In the analysts, people are like, oh Bertuzzi leads the team at expected goals and, and he's you know, his possession's really, really good. It's like, yeah, but he's making five and a half million and he's on pace for what's is he on pace for even thirty points this year? Like it he he's having such a strange season because like you said, you watch the game and you and you and they spend a lot of time in the offensive zone and they get chances and mm-hmm. He seems fine defensively, but then he has games where he looks completely disinterested, and and I don't know. That's it's one of those weird ones. I mean, it's it. Uh, I guess it depends what what lens you watch it through. At some point, you need results, though. You know, I think this uh, this next month before the trade deadline is going to be fascinating. You know, you're missing a couple of depth forwards. You're going to be mixing some other pieces in. I think it's going to become really, really clear that yes, this this team needs a defenseman, but they need a forward, too. If if they're going to try and make some kind of a push, they've got the cap space to do that. And I, probably the real debate for them, like let's say they muddle along here until up to the deadline and they're kind of win one, lose one sort of thing, which is kind of what it feels like they're going to do. What do you do? What do you do if you're in a wild card position and you've got $5 million in cap space and you really need a defenseman and a forward? I think it's going to be... And, and, and then you look at the trade boards around the league and who's available, and there's, you know, after Lindholm and Monaghan go off the board, there's this This might be the worst trade deadline we've seen in the cap era. Yeah. And the prices could be sky high, like Tanev could get a first-round pick. And, you know, Monaghan was a guy that, that at one point was given away, and he gets a first-round pick. So I, this is going to be a really, really challenging one for the Leafs, unless they still go on a, a streak here and rip off some wins and make it really obvious that – they
0: should they should be buyers, it's going to be a tough call. I've been consistent on this for uh, well over a month now. I don't think that they can be aggressive. I've never been a fan of the Tanev idea. I think that if you – I don't even like when people frame it as trade for Tanev and then re-sign him for next year. I'm going, just try to compete in free agency then for Chris Tanev. Trust that you will be in the mix for him and that it doesn't all fall apart if you're not able to ink a 34-year-old defenseman with a track record of injuries to your roster. Like, that just to me is kind of a no-brainer. If it's a first-round pick, this is an organization that obviously we know does not have uh, a great depth of prospects right now. They don't have a great depth of picks. So, yeah, I, I just think that you're at the point where you you can't. You can't be doubling down on a team that just clearly does not look like they're it and has this many holes. But I think that the point you raise about the, the the prices right now of the deadline, but also the thing that I was saying yesterday about the timeline of this, the Leafs are a group that clearly need this entire month to figure out what they need and, and who they are. If, if, if they're going to be trying to convince people of selling, because I don't know if, if anymore we do need the month to be told who they are. I think that they're just kind of a middle of the pack team. They're good, not great. They can lose to anybody. They can beat most teams. I don't have a lot of faith that they're going to be making a deep playoff run as currently constituted without multiple additions. But like Tree Living has said it himself, you don't build your team at the trade deadline. But with the advanced advanced timeline with the deadline, that seems to me like that does more of a disservice to the Leafs than just about anybody else. Because they're just kind of... W- waiting to see. Yeah. Like you can't, you uh, they're, they're, they're can't wait, jump they're
3: waiting the market. Yeah. Yeah. No, they can't. No. Cause I mean, what if you lose 10 of the next 12 or Correct. something? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the play for them is probably going to be somewhere in between. Like, I think they're going to, I think they're going to be like modest buyers is probably what we're going to end up seeing happen. Mm. Exciting. So it's, you don't, you don't trade the you don't, Well, yeah. I mean, not very much about the season has been exciting. huh free agency was a bomb was a bust and then they started the year and it's like yeah they're worse and 50 games in you know i i don't think we were i was hearing the front office was really unhappy with the team eight ten games into the season that they were really worried about what was going on and that's that hasn't gone away Mm -hmm. they're just they're just not good they they've you know, it's, I was looking last night at the, the last three seasons leading into this one. They were really, really good. They were, remember the, the Canada division? Like they were a regular season juggernaut team. Only two teams in the whole league the last three years have more regulation wins than the Leafs. Boston and uh, Colorado. That's it. That's how good the Leafs have been in the last three years. They don't look anything like those teams. And say what you will about what happened in the playoffs. Like they look, they look like the playoff team all season. <laughs> if that makes sense. You mm-hmm. I mean, look at the playoff Leafs all year. So I understand why people don't believe and why they want to throw in the towel. But there's a lot of mediocrity around the league. And I don't know. It's it's going to be a, a tough call for the front I, office. Because uh, uh, there should be heat
0: on the front office for the way this year's gone. Sure. I totally agree. Um, and to, to me, it was it was a – this was always sort of a stopgap year. I believed in the signings. I thought that they got extremely lucky with Bertuzzi. I thought that they got lucky with Domi. Um, I don't think many people were big fans of Klingberg, but I I think I was defending that more than even others were. Same with Reeves, where I went, okay, maybe I could I could talk myself into this being a useful element to the team. Um, I've always been more of a David Camp guy, um, ironically because he plays games, he's rarely hurt, uh, and I thought you knew what you had in him. And even though it was a bit of an overpay, I went, okay, like you're you're probably overpaying a bit this year, but you got some continuity with depth center, and what else are you going to do? I, I guess. I didn't like how they got themselves to the off season. Um, I, but I just thought tree living was in a really, really tough spot with all the circumstances and then ended up doing a a fine job. And now you're looking at it and it's just, yeah. Uh, thank God that he had Benoit. Thank God that he gave that weird clause to Martin Jones. But if those end up being your best moves in a, in a year where you're trying to win a cup, you're right. I I do think that there's, there's a lot of criticism that probably goes actually a, a layer above him to Shanahan more so than I actually think that this is a tree living issue. Um, But yeah, I I just, I think that there's a lot of things conspiring against them right now. The team doesn't look very good. Like you mentioned, there's not really a reason to say, okay, well there's the one area of need. The trade target list is not uh, very enticing and it just got a lot thinner with two of the biggest names coming off the board. More teams are doing their buying early. And this is a group that really does need time to figure out more about who they are. And yeah, I just, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what else there is to almost say about it at this point. Um, uh, it does feel to me, though, like the coach has really ramped up the urgency, at least from a tone standpoint with the media and on the bench and, uh, I don't know, some of the minutes, some nights, but he kind of does revert back to himself. What do you make about the, like, what did he call them yesterday? Pee-wee for the goal that they, the second goal that they allowed? What what do you make of the the Keefe demeanor as of late?
3: Well, I mean, coming out of the All-Star break, it was pretty clear. He was saying, you know, we need like a playoff-like attitude and we need to, you know, really kind of, dial everything in and there's absolutely i mean I keith knows for sure his job's on the line i mean if they miss the playoffs, there's no way he's going to be back so he's going to try to push as many buttons as he can here but uh, we talked i think we talked did we talked about this last week two weeks ago mm. you know if they if they can't find a trade to make to jump start this team Changing the coach is one of the only other moves they've got. Like they just don't have a lot of options. And I, you seem really kind of like fatalistic, and you're ready to punt on the season. Then there's just no chance. I mean, mm. I, I don't think you can do that. I think you gotta try and do what you can do. And and as I've said in the past, I don't think Keefe is very high on the list of things that are wrong. But rather than give up on the season, I would I would be doing things. <laughs> I would be trying to get something different out of this group. And maybe you know maybe what I and maybe what that second line needs is just some time apart and just to break it up a little bit and you know maybe you try Bertuzzi back up at the top line or maybe you just move some things around because it's it's been pretty stale. They've got a lot of injuries they they got to figure out something in the bottom six where they're getting something out of that group. Mm-hmm. Maybe you want to call up one or two of the guys that's playing really well down with the Marlies right now and Kiefer Bellows. Or, mm. I mean, I think we've seen Alex Steves enough times. Too. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> you know. need to see Steves ever again. But maybe, yeah, maybe you call up one of the other guys and just give them a look. But I don't know. I, I, I think they need to shake something up here. And yeah. it, it's such a pivotal, I would say, next two weeks for them. To, to show that they can do something and they string something together here. Yeah. You know, they beat the Winnipeg, the two games coming in and it's like, okay, nice. Are they going to be something? Uh
0: huh. So I guess we'll see. Yeah. And my, my key thing remains the same too, is I don't think that he's the highest on the list of issues, but I also don't think that he's doing anything to really help them, especially considering the thing that, the thing that really is driving me nuts right now is that, He keeps telling you with the minutes and I'm not saying Domi's done really anything to deserve uh, a bump up the lineup or a look somewhere else. But to me, it's just it's very clear that you need more from him than a, a center that you'll only play situationally with a couple of guys that you also don't trust with minutes that are consistently around the 10 minute mark. That it's it just like when I look at this roster, he's actually got an NHL skill set. And I, I've seen Max Domi be effective in the league before. I know he's not as bad as Sheldon Keefe treats him to be. I'm going, if you're not going to trust him down the middle, and I know you just lost camp, which complicates things, sure, I guess. But try that a little bit different. Like I, The, Bertuzzi, the, the Bertuzzi-Tavares, Nylander thing, I can say, okay, th- sure, maybe it's stale, but it's been effective. They're just not scoring, and I am a process versus results guy, and I know there's got to be some sort of tipping point where you say, all right, change this up, but I don't like the idea of them moving uh, Bertuzzi down, and I don't really love the idea of, uh, yeah, uh, of having the mercenary guy who's getting less minutes or being told that he's a big part of the way this can't work. To me, it's just always been kind of something pretty similar is move Nyes down, move Domi into the top six and then just try to cobble together a bottom six but make sure that your top six is going like if the if this team is predicated on the idea that the top six is going to dominate then put Max Domi up there let the good player play with good players try something different other than the odd night where you give Nick Robertson a little bit more run when he's playing well like there just there hasn't been enough of that creativity from me from from Keith like to be what are we at now 50 games in we're 48 games in like yeah. 48 games of Max Domi as the third line center who gets 10 minutes. I We get it.
3: Yeah. I mean, he's not going to put Domi with Matthews and Marner just because he wants those guys to play against, you know, he talked about it last night, how to Barzal and he, he had to have Matthews out there because he was playing so well. And it's the one line where he's like, I can play this line against anybody and feel good about it. So he's not going to put Domi on that line. So, you know, maybe we take both of our ideas and you move Bertuzzi up and then
0: you put Domi on the, second line and you know there seems to be some chemistry with Marner at least that's that's why I'd rather have him play with Marner I'd rather have him with Marner and Matthews just give Matthews another setup man like the idea that he can't play with two guys that are supposed to be two of the better defensive forwards in the NHL is, is very strange to me like I, I just don't know why that you wouldn't at least take a look at it yeah I, I mean, I, at this point,
3: like, why not try something? I think yeah. Keith's just going to try and grind out as many wins as he can here because he knows his job's on the line. And yeah, but then they're not winning. He's waiting. He's <laughs> waiting for. Well, he beat Winnipeg a couple sure. times.
0: Sure. Yeah. Thank he's God. He's
3: waiting, waiting for reinforcements from the trade deadline, and maybe Joseph Wall comes back, and you know, just try and. I mean, the the playoff line is is right there. It's it's really tight. You know, all of a sudden Tampa's been winning a lot of games and. The Leafs are going to have to really fight if they want to get above the wild card spot, and then if you're in that wild card spot, if somebody else gets hot, all of a sudden you could be battling with not just Detroit but you know the the metro teams are going to be involved in that too, so yeah. the pace is going to pick up, and the teams that are going to make the playoffs are going to be the ones that win the majority of their games the rest of the way and I don't think the Leafs can be bad and get in this year. I don't you know they they can be okay so the margins there are pretty slim, and I can see that like, keeps just trying to win every period at this point.
0: Mm, yeah, the, I, I would have more faith in that if they were racking up wins. And if it was like, oh, you know what, this doesn't seem sustainable long term, but they need to be able to get the wins. Like, you know, they've got a couple games in hand, but they lose one yesterday. And you're looking at it and saying, all right, even if you win the next two, you're three points up on Tampa and you're four points up on Detroit. And if you win the next two in regulation, I think you've only got one more regulation win than either of those teams. So yeah, like I'm okay with the do it at all costs to win the game. If I feel like the strategy is working, I don't think that this strategy is necessarily working for them. Although again, I should note at least that they did play better yesterday and that they did play better going into the break. And so that's probably the most positive sign out of all of this. I just like the key point to close it is, yes, I don't think that he's, the biggest issue on the team, but I, I do, I, I'd like to see more variance given the results of this year so far when it comes to wins and losses, especially the regulation wins. And ca- can I share a private take with you? Actually, I don't think I've done this on air. <laughs> I don't know if you can share a private take well, on one the radio. That I've, been, with. I've been having for a while now where it's, I, I haven't, I don't think I've taken this to air at all, but I, I'm watching Patrick Wyatt today and he does the hilarious, what was it? A duck. You could be a duck or you can be an Eagle. And I'm like, is that a saying? Is that a French saying? <laughs> I was almost texting. Some, almost texted Probably. some of my French buddies being like, Do you guys say this to each other? You're like, are you going to be a duck or an eagle tonight? <laughs> like, is that, <laughs> is that like when GSP trained, they were like, be an eagle, George. And he was like, Yes, of course, I know what that means. Uh I I feel like that was that was the that was the perfect hire for the Leafs. That was the only thing that they could have done that I would have said, Man, that's an actual significant upgrade on Keith. It just the he has He has the rings, right? You can plug his ears with them. He's got the pedigree to be able to tell some of these guys what's up. He's different from the other coaches that they have had in terms of like, he actually has a incredible resume, not just, oh, he had a cup of coffee in the league like Sheldon Keefe did. Like he, he represents something completely different that they've ever had. He's also a hard ass. He's clearly a player's coach. You've seen what he's done for the Islanders to a degree. And maybe it's just, you know, dead coach bounce, whatever it is, but I couldn't stop talking about the broadcast yesterday about getting guys to play freely and be themselves and not just have to play within a system, right? And that sure sounds like something a lot of these guys need. Plus, it would have been so sweet to see Patrick Waugh in Leafs track suits, right? Like, it would have been the ultimate needle to Habs fans. Imagine going to the Bell Center for that first Saturday night and Patrick Waugh is on the Leafs bench wearing blue and whites that, like blue and white suit with a blue tie. It would have been like, so you just to save the season, you just want to troll a team. You don't love. I don't even think don't it. Like. But I'm saying. I'm saying <laughs> that it would have been, it would have been a part of piece of the puzzle. Jay's. it would have been a part of it, but don't you like, that's the coach that I think these guys need to see next is the guy with actual pelts on the wall. Not the, not what they've had.
3: Well, they got a president that's got some pelts. Sure. He's not down there day to day coaching them up. It's interesting, you know, Patrick, I was thinking that actually too, watching him on the bench is like, he was it's almost guy. like what, what, what he brings is like his playing career almost. Cause like his coaching, like he hasn't coached in the NHL in a decade uh-huh. and it didn't end well in Colorado at all. Like he kind of just like left in the middle of the season yeah. and was fighting with the management. And, you know, I, I didn't know if he was even going to get back in at all. I, I think the the tough thing for Toronto is, well, probably anyone that they go hire that's like a big name they're gonna have to commit to right so there's probably gonna have, like you know you bring in barube now he's he's gonna want you know what four million with some term on the deal like i i don't think it's interesting you know l a does does the interim thing with the their head coach jim hiller who who was an assistant coach here for a long time, and part of it is that the g m just doesn't have a lot of longevity there if if it goes sideways on LA and sometimes you can tell how ownership feels about the front office day, depending on who their, their head coach hire is. Mm-hmm. Can they bring in, I mean, at Toronto, they'd probably be able to bring in someone big, but it's interesting. I, I've never heard Patrick Waugh potentially connected to the Leafs, like never even in rumors or anything. No, Versteen it said
0: it a, a year ago to me and I thought, yeah, that's not going to happen. And I thought the same thing as you, where it was, hey, the ugly departure, and where is he even at? And his... and then yeah. I watched him last night, and he's fist-bumping officials and calling guys eagles, and they're winning the game, and Barzal looks better than ever, and I go... Well, they're 2-2-1 mm. two, two with him there, right? Like, they're not, they haven't been,
3: I've watched three of those games, and yeah. they're not exactly dominating, I mean...
0: He got Pierre Engvall to score a big goal, uh, guy. <laughs> like, that's the first time he's ever done that, so got to give him credit for that. Ingwall was an eagle last night. Yeah, he was. He was soaring.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, you know, I went to the Memorial Cup in May and, and Patrick Waugh's Quebec team was there and they were the they were the team of the tournament. I mean, they won the championship, but they they just came in and no one was talking about them. You know, people are talking about the host team and people are talking about how good Seattle was. No, Patrick Waugh was he came in and he owned the whole thing mm-hmm. and walked away with the trophy. Mm -hmm. and I came away from that tournament being incredibly impressed with how his team played and how Patrick Waugh coached. And he wasn't known as like a great systems mind or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I think the last 10 years, I think he's put them to good use and it wouldn't surprise me at all. If all of a sudden the Islanders are making a push here and they're one of those teams that maybe for you at least could be battling in the wildcard spots with Pittsburgh and and the Islanders with Lou and Dubas right there. uh, And only one of them gets in. That would be so
0: funny. (laughs) I, would, I, I on the, that scenario is sick. Uh, that's how I know I'm a sick person is instead of just the leaves turning around and dominating and playing great, I, w- I was thinking of my, this is also strange. I was doing the dishes yesterday and I went. I would love one day to be a part of a video where the Leafs win and I'm just the bozo voice who's like, these guys can't get it done. You know, like that would be my dream. My dream would be that they actually prove me wrong in my life and that I'm immortalized for being an idiot who didn't believe in the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like it would be, I'd watch it over and over again. It would be my pride and joy if this could just happen because I've got hours and hours and hours of uh, tape That is me saying, I don't know. It feels like this isn't it. I just, the the greater point to the raw thing is I think that there's very few guys that could go in that room and say, sorry, who do you think you are? Like, I was at the very top of my game. Like, I I know what it's like to be there. Here's who I actually played with. I've been a part of controversy. I've played in a major market. Um, I've dealt with every kind of player under the sun. I am a battler. I'm not going to just take it. From you, I'm not going to have to backtrack if I say something to you. I'll figure it out. Like to me, just the personality. It, it, I, maybe we got a little afraid of the the cult of personality coach because of the Babcock thing. But I, I really do believe it would have been different with this group had it been someone who had just an indisputable track record of success at the NHL level that these guys would have looked at as though it was a peer, not just the next coach in line who's trying to get them to buy into something or get them to do something. And that's even my thing with Berube is, okay, he's a hard-ass coach and he's got, his, he's got a good resume, but it's not that. you know, It's not an all-time great player who's, who's got an aura to them and a presence to them. And, and I actually kind of feel like that's sort of what the Leafs will need from their next head coach whenever the hell that's going to be.
3: I mean there aren't that many I know. There there aren't that many Patrick Wyatt. I know, and that's why
0: I think that they kind of blew it, not being a little bit more aggressive to get him. I wonder what the
3: relationship I have no idea what the Uh, relationship was between Shanahan (laughs) and
0: I'm I'm sure sorry, non starter. Like I'm I'm sure he wouldn't have done it like that Yeah. Like that would have been the modern day hockey sweater, you know? Like that we would have had the the hockey sweater as a book. that would be the most famous hey Montreal kid wearing her uh, French Canadian kid wearing the leaf sweater. And then there would be Patrick. Watt. I just don't know. I feel as though they would have had to make it some type of an offer, like a, a true. Uh, yeah. You're, you're, you're not, you're, you own a part of the franchise now. <laughs> this is, uh, <laughs> that's the only way that that could have gotten done. Then again, I mean, he hasn't had the Montreal connection in so long, right? It didn't end well for the, him there. I mean, it's- ah, sure, but come on, he's a god there. You saw he walked in the building. and It's just he's getting teary. Yeah. Out of the they're, they're I don't know if Pat minds. Burns did it. I don't, I don't know. Like I, I don't know how he would have approached that. He's different. That's the, I. I think when I think of like in in my lifetime, I'm, I know there's different guys who have meant more to Montreal than Patrick Roy, But it's a it's a short list. And in my era of player, or at least my era of growing up as a kid, it's like. I don't know even who, like, I, I don't know if there could be a, it was a big deal to me when the Leafs got Placanich. When I was like, man, they got Placanich here. This is a like tough look for Montreal, the turtleneck. And that was him. So no, I can't imagine the Patrick Waugh thing. It would have just been so fun though. It would have been such an incredible, juicy addition to that rivalry. Great thing moving forward. I, I wish, I really wish it would have gotten done, even though, and, and again, like right now, I don't see another coach that's out there that I'm all that interested. Anyways, before we go, my last thing on the Engval thing. Um, do you know how they come up with who gets the tribute videos, what the bar is for the tribute videos? Like, it's just so anybody who played here ever gets one, but not the former GM, because now the Dubas thing looks even more petty. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, I do not know. My guess is it would go right to the top.
3: Remember, remember when Lou was the GM, They and they wouldn't tribute video anybody? Yeah, I like it. I like
0: I think I like it more that way. Cause, like, Kessel didn't get one, right? I don't remember, but that's so rude correct. if that's the case. That's so godless. Ah, right. I can't
3: remember. I, I shouldn't throw that into the world if I don't remember. Sure. But I think there, there was someone that was like, I got a whole team here. They'll figure this out. They'll, they'll, they they, they didn't tribute video so-and-so. And it yeah. was like, Lou was like, yeah, no, we we're I, I know what Lou would say. Having spent enough time around him, he would say, we're about the team that's, that's now. Like, this, this is the team. That's not, that's not a member of the Maple Leafs. They didn't tribute Kessel according to the team. Yes. So, and again, that was, it ended badly for Kessel. They mm-hmm. couldn't wait to get rid of him. But also I think, I, I, I'm trying to think, I got my timeline right here. Kessel was traded, I think that's the same time, right? He was traded 2015.
0: Yeah, After Kessel. that
3: terrible Horcheck year. Yeah. Uh, but they would have brought, Lou would have come in just after that. Because yes. I think they hired Lou in like August, right? Um, that trade was made by, the Kessel trade was made by, and again, not the greatest trade. The Kessel trade was made by uh, Shanahan in a very young assistant GM that he had who didn't have a ton of experience. So, um, yeah, so there is a precedent for that. You know, under Lou, the three years he was here, the bar for tribute video was, I don't think they did any of them, to be honest. Like, I don't think it was just like a Kessel thing. I think that they were just like, no, we're not doing that anymore. Mm. And then now it feels like the bar's on the floor. Like everybody gets one.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Who are they playing next? They're playing Dallas they could do it. Mason Marchment, they could do a tribute video yeah, even though they yeah. Even though they've played him a bunch of times. And then
0: and then who's who's next? Uh there's gonna be a Joey Anderson one the next time they play Chicago and Yeah. And just yeah, it's it's gone too far. I, I just feel as though the I I, get, I I really was of the position that who does it harm, and it makes for a moment in the game that you remember. But then I t- last night when I saw it, I went, we, we, "This has gone too far." You you Aren't have to. Are we doing the intermission though?
3: Like, isn't it like
0: yeah. Isn't it like a subtle like put something on the jumbotron for ten seconds in the intermission? Yeah, but that's even that is for Pierre Engvall. That was too much. <laughs> you know, like that was too I wonder, much. I wonder what the line should be. Is it like a three hundred games thing well, or something? Like yeah. it's obviously you don't have to be like a Hall of Fame player, but well, some guys know. get the video and some guys get the just the There's still a picture. on Yeah, the they screen. get a picture yeah, and yeah. the it's like a epitaph. Hall, yeah, yeah, it's like got the time <laughs> served. The <laughs> this was when you were here, isn't and then this, other guys get the video. Wait, clap for five seconds, and it's over. So The it's people not... that listen to Leafs talk that weighed in on the Engvall thing that were at the game last night said it was a Graveyard in there when the tribute went yeah. up. as nobody cheered. Yeah. Rightfully yeah. so, by the way. I would have been... I remember thinking... I remember when Roberto Osuna came back to Toronto, this is random, but, and one guy said, uh, but I remember when Osuna came back, there were people that were like standing and, and clapping for him. And I was like, okay, so that person's just looking for attention. I feel like it would have been the same thing for Engvall where it just, if you're doing it, you were just doing it for attention, not actually <laughs> caring about his tenure.
3: I like Pierre Engvall. Like, I know you, you know, don't like, do you're a like, nerd. Well, <laughs> like I mean, that, like I, think I think they should have, I think they should have traded him, but I like him as yeah. a person in the story. He was yeah. a seventh round pick who was never supposed to make the NHL. Mm. Like, you know, he worked really hard to get himself. A lot of people never thought that guy would play in the NHL. You know, how are you six five and two ten, and you get drafted in the seventh round? Yeah, I think we Is saw. Because... <laughs> but he's an NHL player. That's sure. the thing. Like, I know. I... but he he's like, if he's your tenth best forward, your eleventh best forward, making one point five, you're in a good spot, mm. and that's what he was in Toronto but making 3 million and playing on your second line, like there's no way that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he's just, he's a depth guy. He's not, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't preach from the Ingvog gospel that he's <laughs> more than what he is. Mm-hmm.
0: I, yeah, I, I, here's what I will say. I've had a lot of thoughts about Leafs. Like I've, I've talked with friends about missing Sam Lafferty a thousand times like i am the person who brings up old leafs or shoulda could have kept them. i got sentimental about justin hall leaving like the bar for me is low and i've never once been like man i really wish they would have just found a way to keep yeah. that guy <laughs> uh, i really wish he was still one of their debt forwards right like it's just it's did, not that.
3: did ingall ever score a playoff goal nope. i don't think he did right no these plays playoff numbers were yeah for if me did, that it was, was an empty and they needed some cap space. They moved off of them. They, they brought in some really effective players last year for the playoffs. They won around.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know how you can... Anyone yeah. that's criticizing them trading a ball no, when they no, did last no year is. has no, one no one idea what they're talking yeah, about. No one, no one is. No one is. No one is. No one is. No one thinks that. That's uh, the ultimate straw man is the inventing a guy who is mad that the Leafs traded Pierre pairing ball. Uh, James, thanks as always for the time, brother. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, JD. See you, pal. James Riddle, senior managing editor of The Athletic. Anyway, to... My my big thought from yesterday to tie this all up is we're going to do a month of should the Leafs buy or sell. Everyone's going to be doing that. It's just it's an impossible conversation to escape because it's this time of year and it's this team and we've seen so much of the same, blah, 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 blah. I don't love that the best case for the Leafs to buy right now, though, is, well, the rest of the league kind of sucks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's the case. Really, it is. What's a better, what's a stronger opinion than that of, hey, well, you know, it's kind of wide open in the Eastern Conference. And you say, all right, that's, then you can squint and talk yourself into it. Do I think that something could happen with Leafs that they could? Yeah, I just, so far what I've seen through 50 games is not a team that's making a deep playoff run, that does have multiple holes, that does have a lot of players who are underperforming for this team so far this season, that's had inconsistent plays, or in- inconsistent play at a multitude of levels of their team. They don't feel like there's a real connectivity. They don't feel like there's an identity. So they clearly need this month to be able to see, to be able to try to convince their front office that there's more here than simply the e stinks and you could get in and anything is possible, Kevin Garnett. But now that teams are doing business ahead of the deadline, now that you're seeing Monaghan move a month ahead, now that you're seeing the Flames end up selling, well, twice. Way ahead. Of, one was forced, but Lindholm was not, That's a, but that's a month ahead and, and they got a good trade package. I, I thought it was a win for them, but I didn't look at that and go, oh my God, it's so great. Anyway, they, they do that a month in advance that teams are willing to do that and take pieces off the board. Yeah. I, I think it's pretty clear that if something happened tomorrow, right? Some team makes a, an offer on Tanev that the Leafs have to match with the first round pick couldn't do that tomorrow like there's no way there's a zero case to be made for that you could be kristana's biggest fan you could think that he's re-signing here on a sweetheart deal you can't do a first for him this year given where you're at in this very moment sure you get a month of really solid play you look like a, a much better team you start to rack up some regulation wins You start to look a little bit more tight defensively. You start to look a little bit more cohesive as a group. You get a bit more from the Domies and the Bertuzzi's and the Robertson's. Fine. But as of this very moment, really tough ask. Really, really tough ask. So we'll see what the next month brings. But the pieces that are available to you as of now, the prices in which they're being asked... And the question marks that you have as a team, it just it, it, it feels like a really, really, really tough line to walk for this front office. That also hasn't done a lot to inspire a ton of confidence that they're going to be able to make that right move. Anyways, let's take a quick break. Let's come back and talk about the Raptors getting dog walked.
3: Sportsnet 590, The Fan.
0: So yeah, I watched the Leafs game yesterday, recorded the Raptors, and what I normally do is during the intermissions, I'll start a little bit of raps, I'll record the game, and then I'll go back and I'll I'll watch. I didn't watch the whole Raptors game yesterday. (laughs) Didn't go back and rip up the entire recording. Did watch some Grady Dick in the first half, knocking down some shots, that was nice. Armin, you watch it?
2: Bits and pieces. Bits,
0: yeah, yeah. That's more of that's kind of what they deserved last night. It's kind of what they they deserve some bits and pieces. It was just ugly from the yeah from the jam. Here, here, here's <laughs> what I can tell you guys: they couldn't get a stop to save their lives. Nope. I had to remind myself over and over. I was like, they did play double overtime last night. <laughs> uh, it was a really tough game for Manuel quickly. Like I just I don't know. Say he's just. A lot of dribbling, yeah. A lot of dribbling, and when the shots not falling. It doesn't look right. Um, but here's, the, there's really no takeaways from this game. Like it's just the Raptors are a bad basketball team. I, yeah. I, they've gotten their pieces back now, and it's early, and maybe they can do a little bit better. But there, there was two thoughts I had from the game. One is, Bruce Brown is totally playing like a mercenary now, and mm-hmm. they've been putting him in the lineup, out of the starting lineup. You know, it just he He had some plays, and again, it's a blowout, and so it's usually pretty hard to be critical of the bad team that's doing bad habits. But this guys supposed to be if you're keeping if the case to keep him was built around well, he's a pro and he's going to do all the little things right, and that's going to help facilitate better play amongst the team. I could hear that out, but the way that he's been playing as of late, which is sort of more for himself, like Bruce Brown's on the isolation score. And yet when he touches the ball with the wraps, it's like, oh, so he's going to, he's going to go and try and create the like paint. Bruce like, yeah. Six foot five, Bruce Brown's going to be going in there with a, like a, a floater nah, Let him cook. I'm good. I don't know how many floaters I saw from Bruce Brown when he's playing for Denver. I've seen more in his Raptors career, him going to the paint with little baby hooks and floaters than I, I ever saw in Denver with Jokic. Um, my point is, is that he he's definitely on the trade block. Got to be. Well, sorry. He's obviously on the trade block, but I'm saying you clearly, you got to move him. You got to move him. You yes. got to move him. Correct. The problem is, the problem is, you already, you're going to have three first-round picks this year, okay? Mm-hmm. It's going to take a miracle for these guys to get a lottery. Like, they're bad. They're really bad. They're bad, 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 bad.
1: Is it top six protected yes, this first Yes, it's long?
0: top six protected. And yeah. at, at best, they're going to finish seventh.
1: Yeah, so they have the sixth worst record currently, and yeah. they're like they're in the mix with Memphis, who yes, obviously Memphis is and Portland DOA. are
0: right there with them. Yeah, there's no shot that they're going to fall. And this is so Raptors, where even in a year where there's no consensus number one guy, but whatever, this is just the most Raptors outcome here, like classic throwback Raptors outcome. Hey, congrats to the Raptors, they're back. They're back right to me in the rack. <laughs> we are so we, back. I was going to say we called them the Crafters when we were in university <laughs> because it was the Dark Ages, and it's the Crafters might be back uh, because. It's very likely to me that they end up with the the sixth overall pick. Like right mm. on right on the line in a bad draft <laughs> to have three first round picks feels like a very Raptors outcome. And a really early second, right? Yeah. So <laughs> and, and, so you're you're looking at these Bruce Brown trades and saying, well, what's the most value? to me, I really hope that and this is kind of an obvious take, but you gotta really hope that they can land even a lottery ticket player that has shown a bit Mm. of something over that you can play this year that you can try to get into the mix this season more so than a draft pick and it's it's not even about the draft being bad it's just the idea that you're going to mix in four first round picks plus an early second can't do it yeah it's just so many bodies although i'm going to talk to justin termini a couple seconds here so you could become the thunder, but was just a wonder Are the thunder <laughs> ever going to make a trade they they're just my precious one will we'll never trade a first round pick. We're just going to accumulate these things. I don't even know how the, this they're getting this thing done. It's so funny now because they're so good.
1: That yeah they're like oh, I guess we just have these now, yeah, like we, don't, we don't even have to cash these in for somebody
2: this off season I think it's coming I think it's coming this off season. We're gonna see what they have in the playoffs this year, what they need and who they are willing to move and all that. and I think they'll they'll make some make some things happen,
0: yeah. I don't
1: know. I mean, they're so good, they can't even get Poku any burn anymore.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right, let's take a quick break, and let's talk to Justin Termini. uh, Great, great, great host of NBA Today. We've had a lot of really silly debates. It's sports talk, right? It's kind of what this all is. But I never thought we'd get to the place where playing 80% of a season would become like a controversial... discussion
1: you got to hear both sides
0: yeah like the guy who's Joel you know Joel Embiid makes 50 million dollars a year right like that that doesn't seem to get brought up a lot so he gets 50 million dollars and people are like he played games and you're to blame for his injuries because he wanted to win the NBA is that what anyways Justin Termini is one of the absolute best in the sport host of NBA Today on NBA Sirius XM what's up Justin how we doing man JJ, thanks for having me on, buddy. How are we? I'm good. Did you – okay, you're a guy who you see into the future. You've never been afraid to say something, and especially when it comes to the the shifts that we've seen in the game. And sometimes I wonder, guys like you and I, whether or not we get a little older, we start to bring up too much nostalgia with the game, whether we we're out of touch. But, yeah, did you see this coming, where they compromise on 65 games – And we get two notable injuries. And now there is real discourse amongst NBA fans that we've asked too much of the NBA players.
4: Yeah, it's not real discourse amongst real NBA fans. Because first of all, like this 65 game thing has nothing to do with him losing out on the MVP. Because if you look at the history of the MVP, the only guy to play less than 65 games and win it. Is, is Bill Walton in, in a full 82-game season, right? So mm-hmm. I wasn't going to be as a voter. I wasn't voting for Embiid anyway if he played 64, 63, 62 games. He might not get my vote. Now, he did last year at 66. That's because none of the other candidates played a lot of games either. But if Shea Gildas Alexander was going to play 78 games, Jokic on pace for about 77, 78 games, those guys played 10 more games than Embiid. Even if Embiid played 67, 68, I wasn't going to put him at the top of my ballot. Like being available actually matters. And the other aspect of this, why is their fans? I can see the players being upset with this rule. Why the heck would a fan be upset with this rule? We want to see guys play. And in my estimation, this rule is helping guys play.
0: Can I tell you why some of the fans are upset? Because I, I have Gen Z guys on this show, all right? And their whole thing is that they don't want to work all the time. They're like, they want to work genuinely four days a week. They're like, the offices, if you tell them they all have to come into the office, they're like, we'll quit. We'll quit and we'll just go live at our parents' house. And we would much prefer that than actually doing work. So I feel like as though that group is directly responsible for caring about the, the 80% rule.
4: Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'd i like to live with my folks too and get every meal made and you know, <laughs> not have to come into work, especially with oh, some of the guys that, that sleep, I yeah. work with. Uh, but yeah. why the heck would I want other people to have time oh, off? I yeah. don't care. Like, bottom line is, like, it, it might sound callous, but they're there for – our entertainment yeah. to play basketball just like you do the show guess what do you think people you know at home are going oh well jd's got a sore throat i feel bad for him." And they're like get to work i no. want to hear you entertain us that's why you're there you're there to entertain your audiences and talk shows and they're there to entertain us as basketball players mm-hmm.
0: well yeah it's and especially since my reasons for having sore throat are never sympathetic it's always like oh he went to a guy's weekend and smoked too many cigarettes and drank too much booze like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna cry for that guy he did that on his own volition Exactly. Uh, yeah. exactly. I, I, I think that the major thing too is it's one thing when you're watching on TV and you've got league pass and you're ripping around and you can go from game to game and you have a night where you go, okay, Memphis is down, whatever, their entire team. Fine. I'm not going to watch this game. I get it. It's a 20 point blowout. The big one that I still feel like we, we lose sight on at times is when you pay for a ticket in advance and you go to that game. And the idea is that that person just might not be there on any given night. Like, I'm going to see Wemby next week, right? And Monday, he's in town. And I I can't wait. Like, the Spurs are awful. The idea that I'm going to go to that basketball game and not see Wemby play and be presented with Vassell and the rest, you know, Sohan, like, my night is completely ruined. I'm not going to have a good time. (laughs) It's two bad teams without the one player that I want to see. So, yeah, I'm totally with you. I don't have any sympathy for this. I guess the, when you, you're saying that this is not a real conversation, you have no fear that this is actually going to spark some type of change moving forward where we're going to go back to the era of, hey, we, yeah, get rid of this bar.
4: Well, I mean, we had Joe Dumars on the show yeah. the other day, and Joe Dumars was, like, steadfast in saying that, hey, like, it's 65 games. Players agree to this, and this is mm-hmm. something that we think is good, and we are not even considered changing it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, I'm hoping they stand by that because it's about time that something's done for the fans, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, everything's done for the player. Oh, we're going to extend the All Star break uh, so you guys get more rest. Oh, we'll have less back to backs. Okay, no four and five nights. Okay, you have less media obligations. Like mm-hmm. everything's done for the player. About time that something's done for the fan. And like, I don't put much credence into what people say on Twitter because mm-hmm. I find like people on Twitter to be I, uh, Twitter's a cool Mm -hmm. but like this is something where an overwhelming amount of people like have responded to some tweets that i've sent out on this subject where it's like they're all on board like they all love it Uh, so yeah, and you know, I as a fan love it. I like I want to see guys play. So uh hopefully they the NBA like does something for the fans and it may not even be done for the fans. Maybe it's something that uh uh you know is a side effect of them doing that for the media companies. But mm-hmm. either way, like we want to see the guys play and, and I think they're gonna stick with the sixty five actually.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a really great point. I do wonder moving forward when it's not like, you know, uh the uh, Executive vice president, head of basketball operations for the NBA, is not uh, like a former bad boy, Piston, right? Um, who is just known yeah. for being tough. What happens when you know it's not him in a seat like that? But as of now, yeah, I think it's it's got to be pretty clear that the 65 thing stays. It just I got a little worried, I guess, a little nervous. I think it was Halliburton who had the quote of "I never agreed to this" or something. Um, or yeah, I never, I never saw, and I went, Oh no, uh, is, we're, were going to have real discourse amongst the ranks. But that, that seems to have gone away. The one the, the I'm more curious about is what you talked about with Dumars about, um, changes with, uh, defensive rules. Because to me, when I, when I watched it, it, it felt like he was a little noncommittal. He was more making it seem like, Hey, the score doesn't matter. It's the type of game. It's, it's the way that you feel walking away from it, which to me wasn't really an answer on, what they could do to actually make changes on the game itself. This is another one. Are, are you and I old? Like, do we, are we missing what the league cares about more now, which is having guys score 50 and 60 and 70 on any given night? Like, is the league actually worse for having it this way? What do you think is going to happen here over the course of the next year, especially this offseason, when it comes to, yeah, actual changes of, of defensive play?
4: Yeah, well, so I'm happy with Ch- Ch- Jimars' answer on the 65 games, so I yeah. agree with him on that. They're going to keep that. Uh, I, I'm not crazy about what he said about the offenses, and from other people I talk to within the league as well, I don't think that that's going to be altered at all. I think they love the fact that you're seeing these scoring explosions. And again, it's not something that like I need. It's not something maybe that you need, people that love the game, but you're trying to like pull in that generic fan that's like on the – on the periphery like that's something i guess that they feel like they can sell to them so that's something we're not going to see change. And, you know, the, the part that bothers me about it is you see all this explosion and then it downplays what we saw in the past. People will say yeah. like, well, this guy has done that and this guy has done that. And then juxtapose that, uh, you know, what Elgin Baylor did and Rick Barry did and Dr. J and John Havlicek and Mary Bird and Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan makes the numbers. They look uh, like they, that they put up very pedestrian when that's not the case. They just had more difficult rules to try and get those numbers against. So, uh, like that's the reason I don't like it, but I don't see it
0: changing. Yeah, um, I'm worried about that too. There's just to, to me, there's just like a couple of quick fixes when it comes to the the way that they officiate the league. Uh, being able to change the the three second rule, extend it out, um, just uh, a couple hand checking rules. Like there was the foul that they showed the other night of Kamingo, where he just you know he touches uh, he just he, he puts one hand quickly on the perimeter uh, yeah. on Trey Young, and they're like they automatically blow the whistle. Feel like the league could just at least try to get rid of the the way that they officiate the stars to a certain degree, which seems to be the mandate. Is hey, if they're even remotely touched, put them at the free throw line. Because like, who cares about points at the free throw line? Like, I don't. It's it's nice. I think that it's a good sign of how good you are and how aggressive you are. But when when you were talking about excellence, or you're saying hey, we're trying to clip these things together, that's not going to end up on the highlight reel. Um, I just I think I have the same concern as you, which is ultimately the way for this league that they feel as though the best way to market it seems to be. Hey, look, this guy scored 55, this guy scored 60, this guy scored 70 every single night, which is probably why they need to enforce the 65 game rule because that's also like those two things are connected with one another.
4: Yeah, I mean, and again, like the fear is that it gets old at some point. We saw it in baseball where it was strong for three has. or four years with the steroids, mm-hmm. uh, and then people lost interest in that. Now it's back to where it was prior to that, and uh, you know, you really don't know how to judge the history of the game. Same thing with this, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, even like the shocking thats something that they took away. Uh, that would be the easiest fix, as far as bring that back, and you know, and see how that would impact scores at least for a year or two. But mm-hmm. again, like it's almost useless to talk about because I don't think. They're planning on doing anything. Yeah. I, th- I think they love the attention that all these big scoring games give
0: them. Yeah, I, I thought that maybe the the carl Anthony Towns Hornets game was going to be the tipping point. what it happened that night, where Embiid had his and it's against the Spurs, and we said, "Oh, it's just you know, it's nice game," but then Towns did it in a way that had his coach irate and benching him at the end of the game. And I went, "Okay, ne- there's there's a problem here. Like, if a guy is just hunting shots and gunning shots this way." And we're like the product of that. Did, did you see that game? Like it was horrific. It was, yeah. it was awful, awful product. Like when Dumars is saying, Hey, I don't care what the score is, but how the product is like that game was bad. It was it, like, if you would have told me, Hey, would you like to watch that over again? Or a summer league game that doesn't involve any first round picks. I'd be like, yeah, yeah. Give me the summer league game. I, I think that that's the exact same thing. There's, there's no difference between these two things in the same picture. Um, I thought it was going to be a tipping point, but now that we're into this and it just sort of moved on and, yeah, Dumar said what he said on your show, I'm like, yep, okay. I kind of have just accepted that this is probably uh, a new reality for the league when they're ignoring voices like Steve Kurs. Um, Okay, LeBron. Uh, the passive aggressiveness. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, let me just put it to you this way. It obviously worked when he was in Cleveland and he was the best player in the NBA or he could use this position of, hey, you better get... What was his tweet to love? I love always referencing, which is uh, you got to get it or you got to buy in or get out. That works when you're the player that can single-handedly carry a team to a title. What's your read on the way this is now being received in Los Angeles? Because like I've got a Lakers fan on the show and, and he's at his wits end with LeBron.
4: Yeah, I mean, it still might work. I, it depends on whether the uh, you know the front office, whether the, the ownership takes it seriously. It doesn't matter whether we take it seriously or not. I would assume it gets old with his teammates. I mean, who would want to oh, be yeah. a part of that environment where even if he is at the apex of his powers, it's still got to be frustrating to deal with constantly when you're dealing with the passive-aggressive stuff, especially from like a 39-year-old where it's like, okay, you're supposed to be the oldest player in the league. Why don't you just handle your business and say things straight out? Like, tell me how you feel. That's how I I've always done things, so it would would drive me nuts dealing with somebody who's passive aggressive. Then he's going to give out the tweet, and then they're going to ask him about the media. He's not going to say anything, uh, you know, but he'll come out and he'll say, like, the thing about his son could play uh, with the other Lakers. Well, let me tell you something. One, and nothing against his son, because I'm not going to get into the business of criticizing him, but, you know, you're starting to see it now from people within the league that are saying he's not even a first round pick. He's averaging six Uh, points at USC exactly maybe not even a second round pick but then uh you know to say that he could play for your team do you see what the lakers did when lebron sat out Mm -hmm. the other day against the celtics no lebron no anthony Mm -hmm. davis believe me the kid could not get anywhere near what we saw on the floor the other day against the celtics so like stuff like that why would why would teammates want to deal with it
0: yeah you know what i always find funny about the lebron playbook though with this is that he'll do the time's up thing and then the media is going to ask him questions and then people are going to write articles about it and have takes on it. And then they'll win a couple of games and he'll go, the media tried to divide us. <laughs> the media, the outside world, we know what we have in this room and we tried to, you know, keep things right. You're like, you did this. You you did all of this. You played everybody. It always seems like calculated, but very loose, like very loosely calculated. Yeah. It's, it's like a on the fly strategy. Do you think, okay, it, this isn't going to happen because he's too great of a player, but Would you at least have be in a quiet room and go, Hey, could could we trade him? Could you send him to like Golden State?
4: Yeah. So, yes, but, uh, like, I don't think the reason he's not going to be traded isn't because the Lakers won't even, like, trade him because it's a smart thing to do. Mm -hmm. It's because he's basically got the connection to Clutch, right? He was in charge Mm -hmm. of Clutch. So you're going to alienate Rich Paul. You're going to alienate LeBron when you're going to have to do business with them in the future. And, you know, potentially they steer people away. It did happen with the Knicks in CAA. Now, apparently, uh, Rich Paul and CAA, within the last week or so, made amends. But right. you don't want to burn that type of bridge. I mean, we saw it with Danny Ainge in Boston. Didn't have the greatest relationship with Rich Paul. They get, you know, so it made it difficult to to negotiate there. So I just don't think it's a relationship that's wise for the Lakers to say, "Let's trade LeBron." Let's burn a bridge with somebody that's got so much power within the league. I think that's probably the reason that you wouldn't trade him. Uh, but they don't have, like, a connection to him like with Kobe Bryant, yeah. right, no. uh, where it's, like, necessary for him to retire as a Los Angeles Laker. Plus, I'm assuming, like, you know, Genie Buss, other people in that organization, deep down would tell you that, you know, he drives them nuts with the drama and the fact that they almost lose control of their organization.
0: I just don't know why they wouldn't sit down altogether and say, what, what are we doing here? Like, because he's clearly trying to get them to buy, but he did this in Cleveland, and Cleveland, rightfully... Didn't move. I think that the pick ended up becoming Colin Sexton. So it didn't end up as like something incredible. But they they weren't willing to trade a first-round pick to get DeAndre Jordan. And Cleveland, uh, an organization that was like we that out of all of them couldn't lose LeBron, decided, fine, we, we know you're walking away. We know that this is going to be the end. And it feels kind of similar now with the Lakers. Like I don't think it's a guarantee that – he finishes his, his career there. I don't think that he's going to continue to throw good money after bad with it. And especially given that he is starting to slow down. Like he's, he's playing great. He's still accomplishing a lot statistically, but he's not the same LeBron James. If he was, his team wouldn't be where they, where they sit in the standings. I just, I don't know why there isn't a case for them to all just kind of get together and go, what are we doing here? And is there a path out of this that makes sense for everybody?
4: Yeah, they're the same. I mean, uh like, He's putting up good numbers, but I don't think like so. I don't think he's willing to sacrifice his numbers. So he's mm-hmm. putting up numbers that are like similar to what he's done in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been saying this over the course of the last couple of weeks. The difference is. He used to make other guys better, right? When he put up those numbers, now he can't do both at the same time. So he's like, all right, well, I'm not going to sacrifice my numbers, especially if we don't have a shot at winning a championship. Uh, like I think maybe he would sacrifice his numbers a little bit to his credit. If they, if they had the ability to win, yeah. I just don't think that he thinks they do. So uh, he's going, all right, I might as well get my numbers since I'm not going to get the wins.
0: Okay. So if it's not them, and I guess it could be them, this is your answer. It feels a little quiet now heading in a deadline. I know like, Maybe that's just because it's here and the Raptors already did their heavy lifting and they were a real focus for weeks and weeks and weeks. And now it's like, are they going to trade Bruce Brown for their fourth first round pick in a terrible draft is the, the big question this week. But who do you think has the most pressure on them over the next couple of days to get something done, whether that's a seller or a buyer?
4: Yeah, I, I would have said that it would have been maybe Philadelphia prior to the Embiid injury. Mm, now that report yeah. just came out in the last couple of minutes that they're going to reevaluate him in four weeks. Oof. But, like, especially with his help, you can't take that for granted. Like, y- you got to take advantage of the window you have with him right now. You can't say, oh, we'll wait to the offseason or we'll wait another year. Like, no, he, he might not be you know, playing at this level in two or three years. So I think that they need to pounce. I think they're under the most pressure. Uh, Then there's teams like, you know, maybe Phoenix. And, you know, it's just a a horrific subject with that Miles Bridges. Uh, Like, especially like they've already kicked out Robert Sarver from owning the team, but they're going to bring in a guy like that to play for him. That doesn't make any sense. But, like, they need to do something to go for it. They don't have any assets to give anybody, but maybe him. But, like, they're not good enough to win right now. Uh, and their window is closing because what's KD thirty five? Bradley Beal's getting a little bit older, so maybe they're under pressure to do something. I would say Milwaukee because they're not good enough to win right now, but they also have nothing to give up. They need to shore up their defense, but what assets do they have to give up? So from a team that has assets perspective, uh, maybe it's Philadelphia that's under the most pressure.
0: Can I pitch another one to you? Is where do you stand with the Cavs? Because I think that it's been pretty quiet what they've done this year, which you know they they have these injuries that pile up. And everyone kind of writes them off. And we're having these discussions that are pretty much everywhere of, hey, when is Donovan Mitchell going to end up as a New York Knick, right? He's going to want out of here. I don't know if that is going to change, despite, like, he's playing much better. He's playing incredible basketball. They're sitting in the two seed. They've got to be looking at the Embiid situation and saying, okay, um maybe like maybe he's not there. Maybe the East is open. The Bucs look terrible. Like I don't care what their record says. I just I don't trust them. Period come playoff time. The Celtics are good, but yeah, they're also relying upon the health of Kristaps Porzingis and that you know there's times where that offense they've been bad in crunch time in moments. Like they they're not a it, it's not a given to me that the Celtics are absolutely coming out of the Eastern Conference. Like the Heat have sort of taken a step back. If you're Cleveland, isn't this the time that you're really trying to get creative to add even just a little something to your team knowing that this actually might be your window is the this, this year?
4: Yeah, Cleveland and New York have a legitimate shot. I might be more fearful of them than Milwaukee, to be honest with you. Now, I'd still be fearful of of Philadelphia if they get Embiid back, uh, but Milwaukee like, is just not built to win in my estimation, so I would put them maybe fourth, fifth in the conference Mm -hmm. in regards to who I fear. Uh, Boston's still at the top of the list, but you mentioned the Porzingis thing. One, the crunch time offense, two, both are concerns. The other thing that concerns me about that is like, uh, You know, uh, New York's got a really good head coach. Philadelphia's got an awesome mm. head coach in Nick Nurse. I love him. Boston's head coach, I am not a fan of Joe Mazzulla. And, like, the biggest fear I have with them is, like, they have the most talent in the East. They might have the most talent in the NBA. Mm-hmm. They shoot too many threes. And when you have, like, when you're a less talented team, you take threes in order to make up the difference, right? But when you're the more talented team, you shouldn't be shooting 50 threes. That's what he wants. You go cold, you know, for a week in the postseason when your legs are a little bit tired, you know, you get into a big, tight game and, and maybe you get a little bit tight with the outside shot. Uh, like I don't love their offense. So yeah, Cleveland's got an opportunity. I'm just not sure what the move is for them because mm-hmm. they're so well balanced and they do have a ton of depth, especially now with the Sam Merrill who's come off the bench and been fantastic. So I almost think like you could probably stay the course in Cleveland without a move and still have an opportunity maybe to, to compete for the conference finals. Maybe get out. If you get lucky and Boston gets cold for a week.
0: Uh, it's at Termini Radio on Twitter. I highly recommend the follow. Uh, you won't regret it if you end up doing it. If you're a basketball fan, you're probably doing it already. Justin Termini, host of NBA Today, 4-7 to 7 on SiriusXM NBA. Thanks for making time today, man. Always appreciate it.
4: J.D., appreciate it.
0: Thanks for having me on top. Take care, man. Uh, Justin Termini, one of the best in the business.
4: What that,
1: did
0: Devin Vassell do to you? Catching strays two straight days. Here's the thing. He's the only guy that I know on their team. <laughs> Him and Sohan. <laughs> And yeah, what's his name? The white power forward, uh, Zach Collins. Yeah, Zach Collins. Yeah, because yeah, he almost yeah. got in a fight the other day. He yeah, said yeah. with Donovan Mitchell. He that was greasy play by Zach Collins. He, he he chicken winged. He threw the the elbow out, caught Donovan Mitchell, and Mitchell got up and went after him. And I was like, ooh, fight! And I was like, nobody nobody swung. But that's,
2: that's an why. NBA fight, pretty much. I
0: li- listen. I feel. I'll own this. I'll own this. This was a bad take. I thought, I thought that I would watch way more Spurs games than I ended up watching mm-hmm. going into this season. I was like, I'm, I can't wait to watch this guy. And then it, it proved that one, the sports calendar is just very busy. Okay. Sure. There's a lot to watch. There's a lot to take in, especially for somebody like me who clearly tries to cover all the bases. There's very, you know, it's, it must be nice to do just a basketball show or just a hockey show or just a baseball show. This would be great. Some of us do them all. So why when not people are like, <laughs> you don't know the sport. I'm like, well, Pretty good for a guy who's doing all of them, wouldn't you say? So someone who's you know even trying to find time to mix in UFCs on Saturdays. Uh,
2: and badminton.
0: Yes, yeah, so it's the future. I yeah, badminton. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, now that you mention it, I was I was thinking about that. I was thinking about how you gotta get creative in the dating game, right? Mm. You do. Like, there's only so many times you can be like, "Let's go to a cocktail bar." Yeah. You can only do so many of those things. And activities are always great. But there's like a line of activities where you go, This also sucks. Like I don't want to go rock climbing. Sure. Like I I don't. That's not fun. This is this is just like I'm doing something different. And it's like, no. But I did think there there's gotta be places that are indoor just all the racket sport. Like, why? Like I know people go play tennis, and tennis is very popular. And now I know pickleball is taking off, although I've never seen anywhere where there's actually pickleball being played. I've, I haven't seen it other than at a a cottage.
2: Really? No. no. At the parks, they have a Oh, man. Yeah, yeah all I, over the place.
0: I, I, I guess where my park, it's all tennis. Mm-hmm. Because I live near rich people. <laughs> yeah, there's I'm like, not, but they are. There's
1: uh, and like people have like painted off the little pickleball courts. That's good.
0: No, I, I gotta get into that. Oh, I want to. Yeah. I, I, I gotta get in pickleball. So, and I, have long. But I'm just saying,
1: badminton was the to. other one. Which yeah, was, was, I was gonna
0: say that would actually be a sick date. Is like if you because anybody can also play badminton. That's the thing. It's like if you're like, yeah, you wanna go play badminton? you would be like, what? Here's so thing, silly. And thing, are Like, yeah, let's do this. Are you
1: a take it easy? Like, owner? Yeah. So you're in a tough. Spot. I would in on a date.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't be like trying to just smash it. Yeah. Be trying to smash, but not. (laughs) Uh, I'm just saying that if it was, here's, here's what I would say. If it was like a, uh, if it was like a group of four, Mm -hmm. then I would be trying all out. Yeah. But I'd be pretending like I wasn't. (laughs) Sure, of course. (laughs) I'm trying so hard. (laughs) I'm trying the hardest. (laughs) Anyways, how did we
1: get here? Ooh, Zach Collins? I don't know what the connection yeah. was.
0: Oh, you? because you brought up badminton. You're like, oh, the fall of sports uh, yeah, don't yeah. watch it. Anyway, um, yeah, I, it, like the deadline is Thursday, and, uh, well, I got Grange on tomorrow because I want to know what's going on with the Raps because I think the Raptors are still interesting locally in terms of what they do with Brown and what could happen with Gary Trent and... Boucher? Yeah. To a lesser extent, yeah, they've got these sort of fringy pieces that don't look like they're great fits long-term. I think Gary Trent is, I've, I've talked myself into him more, although I don't uh. love the idea of paying Gary Trent Jr. a bunch of money, but uh. if there's a way that you could come to terms on another short-term deal with Gary Trent at reasonable money, I, I don't hate it as much as if I would have gotten a time machine and said, hey, old JD from a year ago or even from last offseason, last trade deadline, they're going to extend him again. I would have gone, please no. I just like more spacing around Scotty and I, and he doesn't need to dribble the air out of the basketball the same way as two of the other guys do on the team in RJ and quickly. Uh, So yeah, I I don't mind having another shooter. Um, You can't have too much shooting. I don't think it takes away from Grady Dick, none of this stuff. And I, I, I don't like the idea. And I don't think the Raptors are in a position where they can be losing players for nothing. And I'm just not sure what the, the, the thing you get back for Gary Trent is. Mm -hmm. And I've said it. I think that there is a a line where you've got too many assets in one draft. It's like, okay, are you going to flip them at the draft? I don't know. I don't don't know. Maybe. But they are interesting. So I will talk to Grange tomorrow. But the rest of the deadline has gotten pretty quiet. Like, when I'm reading all the rumors, it's like stuff surrounding Stephen Adams potentially getting traded, even though he's not playing this year. Like, veteran presence to it. Okay. It's... Could the Wizards trade Kuzma, which I don't think they're going to anyway. Uh, it doesn't feel as though the DeJounte Murray trade is happening anymore, right? Like, you know, you guys are getting real good play now. Plus he got the, from D'Angelo Russell, plus he got hit with the we don't want you chant. Um, I just, I, I'm not really seeing who the... Guaranteed pieces that are moving are and yeah, there doesn't seem to be a lot of juice. Hey, eh? hoping Whoa. there's
2: some surprises Jeremy Grant might be a surprise yeah. Gordon Hayward might be a surprise.
0: Yeah, don't those the, are fine Didn't the Blazers have Malcolm Brogdon to trade him. Yeah, yeah, but here's the other problem though Is that it's harder in this league now? It's always been difficult to do the trades in terms of the salary matching, but yeah. you look at a lot of these teams, they don't really have any assets. Like Cleveland is deep. I just mentioned it. They've got their first this year, but what's that really worth with them Mm -hmm. packaging a team and trying to do a flip and try to add someone? I'm not sure. Right. Because, and maybe it's more because you could get Pascal Siakam for a couple of firsts and Bruce Brown. Uh, But I, I just, there's not a, the Knicks have already made a move. They've still got some of the powder dry, but they don't reek of an all-in team. They reek of, like, more of a fringier therein on kind of the Bruce Brown stuff. Celtics can't do much. The Bucs to- the, the can't do anything. Yeah. Neither can the Nuggets. The Thunder appear like they don't want to do anything. Ever. Plus, yeah, they're they're just like, we're going to keep doing the same thing, which is fine, I guess. The T-Wolves have already made their move with Rudy Gobert and mm-hmm. all the assets they gave up there. Like, what what's the move that the T-Wolves can make? Like, you go through the league and it's not... It's weird. I, I think there are some teams like Chicago, although didn't help them that Zach Levine opted for surgery over being traded to Detroit. <laughs> but there's like also get that that's relatable. I get that. But the, it's just it's just a t- bunch of teams that are in tough positions, right? Like the Warriors don't want to give up any of their young guys because they want to. Tr- and it kind of makes sense because like Clay's coming off the books and Chris Paul is going to come off the books and you want to maintain some level of flexibility to build around Steph Curry because he's, he's not a dinosaur. Like he's Steph Curry's still going to be an effective player for the next couple of years. And so the idea that you have to be like pushing all in on him this year, I think is a little short sighted. If you could get off the Wiggins contract some way, right. You would do that. If you could flip, if you could flip clay for LeBron, like some people have made that fake trade, of course you would do something like that. But I don't see I actually really liked the Siakam move for them. I totally would have done Kaminga for Siakam. I just think that he's like a real needle mover that would have mm-hmm. absolutely changed the ceiling of their team. But beyond that, yeah, I don't I don't like I'm not doing the DeJounte Murray thing. Like I don't know, I don't know who the player is that's out there that's really gonna materially change the future of Golden State. Um, so there's some urgency, it's not that urgent. Uh the teams that I, I feel the most for again are like Atlanta and Chicago, who are looking at what the Raptors did and saying, "Okay, so you had better players than what we have, and you didn't really get too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what are we supposed to do? Because we're just stuck in the same position that you are, where we're not bad enough to be the worst, and yeah. we're not good enough to be any good, like." The Hawks are super disappointing just because you thought that they were going to take a step and that they were trying to figure this thing out. And they're they're like deep down the, the Trey Young developmental track. Yeah. And then the only teams that I look at, the only team that I keep saying is should be a buyer, should be a buyer. But it's the same thing with when it comes to assets and ability to make moves. It's Dallas. They, they don't yeah. have those things. And yet it just it always feels like they're missing a real puzzle piece.
1: The, the report, I think that came out over the weekend was that they wanted like a tall... Yeah. stretch four, but yeah, like everybody they're... wants that. And I don't know what, like what you're saying. I don't know what you, what Dallas has to make a move like that. But I, and I also don't know who's out there. I don't know
0: who's out there that like, I'm all of a sudden really feeling different about Dallas. So anyway, um, yeah, I had like the, like a pressure index of teams to make moves and I wrote it down last night. And I already, I already feel differently about all of them. The only team that I'd really like to see do something about finally is just Orlando. They feel like it's like the same thing consistently is get some guard, get another a a more reliable point guard, get another player in there that just shakes things up a little bit. You're going to have, you got a little bit of the OKC thing going on for, from the East where it's good and you feel like you can be patient with it. And Suggs is way better than I think we thought he was going to be the early return on Suggs. Now he's awesome. It's not a debate as to whether the Raptors should have taken him or not, but he's just a dog. He's awesome. And then Paolo is going to be one of the game's best players. So, they've got real pieces. Bronze but I, is good. Yeah, just I, I wouldn't mind seeing them make a trade. I'd, I'd really like to see the Magic do something that was, like, semi-aggressive. Because they're, they're sort of just, like, the forgotten team in all of this.
2: I think they could wait a bit. I think they're still young pups. They haven't made the playoffs sure. since 2019. Yeah,
0: but that's the thing is you you have a good shot at making the playoffs this year. And it's wide open. And it, it shouldn't just be, hey, don't worry. We'll bow out in the first round. Like, you could catch you, – you, you add a player or two. And you catch this vulnerable Milwaukee team or – Right? Like the Sixers without Embiid. There's just there's paths. The more of these games that you can play, the better. I just like the idea of building with good players, too. This is the only thing that's scary about what's going on with the Raptors right now, is that this Masai has always been he's been reluctant to do the full rebuilds. And it's it's one thing when you don't even have the pieces, but it's like we're trying to find out if Scotty Barnes can be a 1A player, Uh but he's surrounded by a team right now that just does not look very good. Like I don't know how they're gonna gain all of this, like, I'm starting to get a little nervous about their ability to actually glean information from this season. Oh, really? Because it, yeah, because it's it's one thing to just tank and get the picks and do whatever. Like, I'm I'm usually pro that in the NBA, okay? I think, you know, last year it was very on record. Tank, tank, tank. Get a shot at Wimby. Get a shot at Wimby. Get a shot at Wimby. The Florida year, tank, tank, tank. Man, this is a league where the superstars win, okay? Yeah. The best players eventually find their ways to the top of the mountain. So, if you can try to get... But there there is no guy like that this year, one... But two is you. You think that maybe you already have one of those guys, someone who can evolve into being a superstar in the league. Like Darko said, it he thinks he could be the face of the league someday. I have my suspicions. I don't think that Barnes is going to be that guy. I think that he's going to be a very, very good um, co-pilot. He could be a one B. Like a, I think he's kind of going to be a Jalen Brown type, but possibly mm-hmm. better. Right? Possibly better than Brown. Not as good as Tatum. Sure. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Right? Like I think that that's sort of where his ceiling is going to where he's going to hit it. It's early. So I'm, I'm really not trying to make big judgments, but it's just watching the pieces around him right now. And the way they're playing and some of the stuff is just the, his body language, the way that it can go up and down. Sometimes I just, yeah.
1: I mean, it's interesting that you it. say that. Cause like, let's be honest this year, obviously they're, they're not a good team, but it's also no, an,
0: more than just losing.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's an yeah. interesting year where, actually important questions you kind of have to get answers to Big time. this year you have to get an answer to is IQ an actual guard you have to get a, like a starting you know plus guard mm-hmm. is Scotty Barnes that guy like you have questions that you actually have to answer and so it's I, you know I always thought that they would just kind of play at the season and we would get those answers but it's interesting to hear you kind of doubting that they even have the pieces together to get meaningful Answers out of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Guys,
2: bit of a breaking news. Uh, mm-hmm. Dave McMenamin is saying that the Raptors are the most recent team involved in discussions about trading for D'Angelo Russell. Huh. Russell's name has been mentioned with uh, Brooklyn Nets, Raptors, Hawks in recent weeks.
0: What's D'Angelo Russell's contract?
2: Didn't
1: he? Uh,
0: wasn't wasn't he playing pickup at? No, no. Yeah, Toronto? he's he's got a. I think his girl is from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His his girl is from Toronto. Come on home. That's D-Lo. true. Yep. Um, uh, what's his But I'm contract? just saying, is is it, yeah, so he's got a player option for $18 million next, the, this offseason. Yeah. Mm. If you're the rat, here's what I'll say. If you're taking on D'Angelo Russell, I'm not really sure what, like.
2: Actually, the, no, I'm getting nightmares now that I'm thinking about it. All that dribbling with I was RJ about to say, that's a lot too? of guys
0: that like no, to pound that's this. This is what I'm saying is no, no, no. But from the, we can do this right now as a Lakers fan, like doing the mock trade and like pulling up the, the idea here is that you're getting Bruce Brown and Gary Trent. Like it has to be, you, you can't just be, there's, there's not one lateral move of getting Bruce Brown is better as so you're trying to surround LeBron with more. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like like that does much for the Lakers, even if you do end up... I don't know how you make those salaries work. Like what the Lakers end up having to do on that. And it, the implication is what? The Lakers are giving up a future first for that? Like I, that doesn't make sense either. And then what? There's a young player that they would want to take back the wraps that makes sense for the... I, I don't... Like I'm, I'm not really understanding how that works. Because I actually don't mind it. and And this is something I was going to say about the Leafs earlier. If they're not going to be traditional buyers, I hope that there's a way for them to weaponize their cap space so that they can take on some money this year for another team that's trying to win, say, out West or be a facilitator where they can kind of grab some middling or smaller assets to help a team, other teams do business with with their cap space. Because it would be a shame if they just wasted the the amount that they have this year. That's the the real thing that sucks about the Leafs in their position is they have a ton of cap space this year. They don't, they don't have all that flexibility moving forward. So they can't just eat some bad deal and then take it all the way. But yeah, they, hopefully they can get creative, but I don't, I really actually like it when rebuilding teams know where they're at and they'll take a bad asset and use it as like a way station in order to get, uh, yeah, a good pick or, or something from it. So I don't mind the idea of like bringing in a D'Angelo Russell. Even though you're right, if we're talking about the the R and D of the season, he quickly R J Scotty. It's like, okay, is he going to buy into not being deloading? I don't, I doubt it.
2: No, I. So can't this see is that McManaman either. that had this. Yeah, Dave McManaman. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, good thing to dig in with Grange tomorrow. Anyways, let's take a break and let's talk about. Uh, it was, yesterday was Super Bowl media day. For God's sakes. Sportsnet
4: 590, the fan.
0: Super Bowl week is here. It always feels a little quiet and muted. Those, those few... that the, During the weekend before the Super Bowl. Yeah, the yeah. Away, all, the only conversation we ever have is, first Sunday, no football. This sucks. It does suck. It does. Look, we say it every year, but it is awful. It does suck. I don't enjoy it as much as the times there are football. Yeah.
1: yeah. You know what I'd take? Football over <laughs> not. That's my take of the day. Yeah, that's the way
0: I do this every year. Where? I always go, man, when football – I will say this. When football does go away, it's going to make my, my schedule a lot easier because I don't have to have Sundays where they're just purely dedicated to football and then Sundays come and there's no football. I'm like, what am I going to do? <laughs> it's like moping <laughs> yeah. around the apartment. I've watched some other – it feels it, – there is this refractory period where you try to watch other sports on Sunday. Oh. And it feels so wrong. Yeah. Go, Oh. Orlando Magic Milwaukee Bucks on yeah. Sunday at 3. Matinee. No, it just feels wrong.
2: Sign me up.
0: <laughs> yeah, it just feels wrong. Feels wrong. Anyway, it's Super Bowl week. I'm, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, uh, at JDBunkus, because I'm doing all my prop. I'm doing a prop of the day for the Super Bowl every single day, posting stuff there in the stories. Um, so try to get those, because I've, I've been pretty damn good with props this, this postseason football it's been a good it's been a good time i did get killed on uh the ravens game last week with i was very confident in justice hill and he got i think two carries if like, they didn't oh, run the ball at all i just gave up on him but other than that been pretty damn good with props this year um super bowl week super bowl media day i didn't really get to tune in like i normally do i kind of take a lot in i will say this i can't believe I'm gonna end up talking about Taylor Swift so much. Yeah, it's are. just it's gonna happen. The did you guys see the picture of Travis Kelsey's like the side shot of his media availability? No.
2: I did. Look crazy. Looked like Jordan was there. It was
1: Oh, you mean like with the with, with the, the media. media? Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It was out of this world. And I got I know there's a lot of haters out there who are hating on Travis Kelsey, like Armin, which is very strange because, hold on. Let me just say this. Armin, Ar, yeah, in the DMs you sent, we Months need the Niners ago to I
2: was win. I I've been backing up Travis. No, no, no. No, no hate. <laughs> I was just saying, yeah, him saying I got to bring home the hardwood, too. I was like, okay, I don't want this well, story to last. The, the hardware. Hardwood, sorry. Yeah. The hardware. Yeah. I don't want it to last a year. But, no, no, I'm not hating on them. Buddy, on. You, just you, just <laughs> <said yesterday, laughs> you just said yesterday. You just said
0: yesterday. <laughs> that you were rooting for the Niners because you couldn't have Taylor Swift and Travis. Kelsey. Oh yeah, that is you did like say you that. You just I said that. that. I did. Yeah. yeah, and now you're going. I'm not hating, but I'm this not is... hating on
2: their relationship. No, I'm hating is... on the Chiefs continuing no, no, this dynasty. No, no, shut up. You that? that. They had nothing
0: to do with Mahomes. It was purely about them. This is what I'm saying. You're terrified. You're, you're, you want in on the Swifty cult. Like you want in so bad. I saw one of your tweets like last week about Taylor Swift, and I went, "This man is so." You're just desperately looking for Taylor Swift clout online. You're just trying so hard to be,
2: wow, Taylor Swift, wow. No, I just want to be one of the men that's not ragging on her on Twitter. No, and just give yeah, her love because yeah, that's you all see, I look see. At you.
0: See, look at you go. You're like, look at all the men. Oh, I don't want to
2: be part of the men who are doing the thing. Like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. Yeah. What you're doing. Yeah. Don't you have a girlfriend now? Uh, this is not a okay. radio topic, but
0: yeah. Okay. So you, so you, you kind of do, um,
2: either way. <laughs> pretty you, much. Yeah. yeah you pretty much. Okay.
0: Yeah. By the way, yeah, I was going to say, you better not let her hear that. Uh, pretty much. She's like, she's pretty okay, much. Okay. Yeah, no, pre- I'm kidding, I'm yeah. Kidding. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, I hope I meet her soon. I'll be like, are you, are you pretty much Armin's girlfriend? <laughs> oh, nice to meet you. Pretty much. Uh, I see what you're doing. You're, you're you're kind of simping to the Swifties, which is fine. You're one of those guys. You're Gen Z. This is the way it works. You live... Everything's online. This is much reality. You're, you're trying to catch... You try to catch their eye. You try to catch the swifty eye of Sauron. You just hope to be seen. Ooh, please, please me, please pick me. I'm not one of the men tweeting about Taylor Swift. That's the position that you take. I see it. I've seen, and I've seen you do it a couple of times. You're out there, and even just now, you're like, I'm not hating a, even though secretly, deep down, you're like, I I hate it. You privately, you're like, oh, I hate this. I don't like. I tag. think
2: I'd be comfortable saying it bothered me, but it just doesn't. It. it just doesn't. You. I was just saying. Just my sent. tweet that you were talking about yeah.
0: was just about. It made no sense
2: how it's just like she carries like she's never she's never like flustered in any way
0: okay yes she just doesn't make mistakes the way she carries and and, and so
2: except for except for Celine Dion yesterday and that that was like the reason that was a big story is because Taylor doesn't make any little you know mistakes like that so it's almost like she has
0: millions of dollars of PR and people that market her exclusively uh I actually, uh, t- uh, I know I want to talk about Super Bowl Media Day. We're running out of time, but I gotta say, I gotta say, I just gotta say this. Okay, um, I don't understand why Miley Cyrus is not more popular than Taylor Swift. Like, I saw the Miley Cyrus stuff, and she won her first Grammy. And again, I didn't watch the Grammys, but I just saw the the highlight, and yeah. I love Miley Cyrus. I'm Miley Cyrus T-shirt. I'm a big Miley guy. I've so been big
2: for Miley. I, <laughs>
0: have you seen, buddy? You watch watch Miley Cyrus do covers. First of all, straight up, Taylor Swift does not have a song that is... <sighs> shake it off, it's pretty damn good, but... Taylor's got hits, man. Taylor's got hits. Hey, Taylor's got hits, but Wrecking Ball is better than any Taylor Swift song.
2: Party in the USA, too. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I'm just
0: saying that Miley Cyrus probably doesn't have the depth, but in terms of the talent, there's no doubt. Like Miley Cyrus's Jolene cover, you seen dude, that one? And Miley Cyrus, Banger. any cover. If you... You could just do... You could do Miley Cyrus covers for hours... And just say this is the best cover I've ever heard. Like she's she's truly. I think she's the cover goat, actually. The straight cover up. goat. Yeah, she's the cover goat. Do wow. You, if, if I could pick one artist to cover just any song and put sort of their spin on it, You're like Miley. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's it, think about someone covering Stevie Nicks. You go, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Stevie Nicks can't do better than Stevie Nicks. Except you can with Miley Cyrus. <laughs> That's, I'm telling you, Miley, and Miley Cyrus can do it all. Anyway, I love Miley. I am simping for Miley. I, I, <laughs> I'll put that on, uh, on record. I'm happy that Miley, I saw she got a new man and that she's happy because she was with one of those Hemsworth, Hemsworth guys and he's yeah. a real jerk. Seems was, like it was not a healthy relationship. Her, and I did yeah. not like that. I did not. I didn't like it. Podcast, I didn't like title the way he by the treated lady? her. Yeah. Simping
1: for Miley? Yeah. Just. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm a Miley guy through and through, okay?
2: She could have a Super Bowl uh halftime performance come in, in the next couple of years. I would be so down.
0: I would. Be, she would crush it. She would crush it. She's got that she's got big, big star power. Anyway, big presence. <laughs> uh the Travis Kelsey thing, I want to say credit to him because he handles this unbelievably well. And that's actually the thing that I could see why he actually is the boyfriend to a megastar like mm. Taylor Swift, is he just seemed completely like unflapped. Sometimes Kelsey has always seemed a little bit cringy to me, right? The way he speaks and you go, what? What is this? Right, he and then I watched him yesterday, where there's just like question after question, and yeah. he just seemed to handle it all perfectly. And I wondered if he got prepped for that, like by Taylor's team. You know, when you watch the movies and someone has to go to court, and the 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 lawyer, your own lawyer, is pressing. The, oh, yeah, the person yeah, yeah, yeah. about did you kill your wife? And it's yeah. like I didn't pay for this. Yeah. I didn't pay for this. And they storm out. And they're like they're gonna ask you questions ten yeah. times. I gotta make this. sure you're prepared yeah, like, for cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I wondered if they they did that with him preparing him for this. But he just I gotta say he handled it with aplomb. I I really respected the way that he he took like eighty five Taylor Swift questions in front of that large group and just never was phased, never seemed to be bothered, never got serious with it, never put somebody down, never made it like that's inappropriate of you trying to ask mm-hmm. this, like just embrace the curiosity of the people while still maintaining some level of boundaries. I just I thought it was a big here's my take. My biggest winner from media day was Brock Purdy, but number 2 was like he's the undercover winner, but the main winner was also was Travis Kelsey yeah, like, yeah. to the masses. But that's the other thing. Brock Purdy, man. Why are you making me like you so much? This is rude of you, dude. I already had the stories that I was trying to ignore, like how he had the roommate and how he's just like a, lives like a normal guy. And he seems as though he's a humble dude and he understands himself. But his answers during media day were like he's 24 years old, which is important to note because Armin, you're 27, 28. 28. Yeah. Like, He's so much more mature than you. <laughs> <laughs> if Armin had the attitude of Brock Purdy, this show would be number one in the charts. Like, there's, there's just no question. There's no. If I had ever had a Gen Z walk in here like with the Brock Purdy attitude, they'd be doing the show. I'd lose my slot immediately. Like I was, it would be over for me. It would be curtains because that guy just he nailed every part of the the perspective that he had at 24 years old. Yeah. I went I, this. I, I deep down. I always kind of was leading up to this going, Brock Purdy will show himself eventually. He, will, he won't He will be Patrick Mahomes because he will show himself eventually. And then he had those answers, and I went, oh, my God, this guy's terrifying. He totally gets it. He knows who he is. He's not going to play outside of himself. Oh, my God. He's I... kind of,
1: man, do you know that Brock man. Purdy, like, Sabin story of, like, Saban kind yeah. of, like, he's got some good stories. Purdy's he's got some good
0: stories. Purdy's the man. I hate how much Purdy's the man. Yeah, I always tough. just kind of hope that Purdy is the, just the flash in the plan, fluke, complete team creation. And I do think part of that, like, I don't think Brock Purdy goes to Houston and puts on a CJ Stroud. I don't know why people conflate it that way. But for where he's at, he's just, he's the man. He totally gets it. Anyway, the other stuff, just quickly kind of rapid firing, was uh, Goodell praised the refs. I don't know. I don't care about that. But yeah. the Friday in Brazil. Football is just taking over the schedules. Like the other leagues got to be scared because football is just now getting into, oh, we're getting 17 games. Ha, ha, ha. That's cute. Oh, we do a couple of extra Saturday nights. Ha, ha, ha. Thanksgiving. Oh, now we took Christmas from you the NBA. Christmas. Ha, ha, ha. And now it's like, we're taking Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're taking Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah. You know, you can have Tuesday, Wednesday. And, and that's it. <laughs> and that's what you get because the NFL is coming for that ass. Like We're, we're not slowing down. It just, I, I would be spooked. The NFL is basically Roger Goodell is going to have these guys playing every single night of the week. Like oh, yeah. it's just, we're, we're getting there. It's, it's going it, to be a 22 week. Yeah. It just, it's, it's going to be a 12 baseball.
1: month sport now. And it's also a seven day sport. Let's go.
0: Other All leagues the time. are going to have to move yeah. Everyone's going to have to be baseball where everyone runs <laughs> to the dead of summer <laughs> and has it hockey in Arizona. Coyotes have trouble selling tickets now. Like wait till you play and the season starts in July. God. Football is just a dominant, a juggernaut. dominant, dominant force. Uh, we only got a minute, so... Quickly, Mike oh, Vrabel no, got... didn't get a... Ju- oh, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? No, well, the Vrabel thing is hilarious because according to Diane Rossini, what, what's the He's quote? He's too
1: big. Uh, I had a GM at the Senior ball who mentioned to me his physical build. He's a very large human being and can be very intimidating to people in an organization that can be uh, part of these decisions. That's a factor. Yeah. I gotta... He's too
0: big. They I... want nerds. No, I'll just I'll <laughs> tell you this. This is a true confession time. As I, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> if I was working with Mike Vrabel and his big ass walked in the room and was like, this is the way we're doing things. And then people were like leader of men. And I was supposed to be like someone in charge. I would go, but also I think <laughs> no, shut up little guy. How, how do you think it works for people around Dan Campbell right now? Oh yeah. Like there's a presence. If you're, if you're like a smart, confident, accomplished, talented, but also the size of Mike Vrabel. The world is your voice. You're like you're you're gonna dominate. So yeah, I get it. I get it, nerds. I would keep keep it, keep him out of the building at all costs. Anyways, <laughs> uh, subscribe to the podcast. Leave five stars. We'll see you tomorrow for a good hour and Grange on rumors.